Hey everybody, welcome to Tara and Andrew versus the Starcrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Andrew. I'm Tara. This is part 36 in our 3726 part series where we pick a movie at random from the Starcrow Video Movie Guide, watch it, uh, talk about what we thought, and do some research and tell you what we learned. As long as neither of us have seen it, we are not able to veto whatever movie we've chosen. There's a couple of exceptions. But... Yeah. We will invoke those rules as needed, yeah. or you can check them out on our website if you're curious. Yeah. All right, so last time we watched Electra My Love, the Hungarian film from the early 70s. Strange movie, but we both liked it a whole bunch. Especially with the inclusion of, like, pistols and helicopters. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to see more films by that director, considering the reviewer in the guide said that they considered this the least good of his films yeah but then but like i was looking at what other people were saying and yeah. they they seemed pretty positive on it yeah. so maybe it was just that one person yeah. for scarecrow case is subjective <clears throat> all right well this episode it is andrew's dubious honor to select the movie at random so whenever you're ready all right my eyes are closed Okay. So we're watching Funny Girl. Hmm. The 1968 uh, Streisand movie. Okay. So Barbara Streisand, Omar Sharif, directed by William Wyler. The guide says, Funny Girl is Streisand's first film, but you can't tell by the way she charmingly and effortlessly maneuvers through Fanny Brace's rise to stardom as a Ziegfeld girl. Sounds right up my alley. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Sharif plays Nikki Arnstein, Fanny's love interest. The two share a scarlet and rut-like romance full of passion and emotional turmoil. Some of the songs make me snicker, like Sharif stumbling through, You are woman, I am man. Oh, no. Oh, boy. But most fill me with the glee only a great musical can muster. Oh, boy. Oh, this sounds just like your kind of movie. <laughs> Shit. You're gonna love it. Uh... Okay. So, how sexist do you think this movie is going to be on a scale of one to five? It's called Um, Funny Girl, so I'm inclined to... And it's got a song, I mean, it's right there in the description. There's a song called You Are Woman, I Am Man. Yeah. I'm going to say four. (laughs) Uh, At least four, four and a half. Okay. For me. Oh, we're doing half half points? Okay. I don't know. All right. At least four. Okay. It's going to be up there. Yeah, so uh, cool. we, we will see how our, our sexism prediction turns out here after this musical interlude. Good job. Oh, Good job. And we are back. Yay! That, that wasn't uh, super enthusiastic, but I, I can't say that I blame you too much. Uh, funny girl. We um, made a tactical error earlier when uh, we said that the movie was an hour and 50 minutes long. <laughs> and I was already upset about that a little bit. Like It was like, oh, this is a movie from like the late 60s and it's an hour and 50 minutes long. It's gonna... That's... 
long for a movie from back then. It's gonna drag. Imagine our horror when we started the DVD app and saw that it was actually uh, 151 minutes. Not uh, not an hour and 51 minutes. Uh, no. It's two and a half hours. But it was very, very disheartening. I was trying to be optimistic going in. Seeing that runtime come up, I just felt this foreboding, I guess. Uh, but and with, with that, let's get into our pre-spoiler rating. Yeah. So as usual, our scorers range from lowest to highest. Don't watch, maybe don't watch, eh, maybe watch, and don't not watch. Are you ready to give a rating? Uh, I'm ready. All right, me too. One, two, three. Maybe, maybe don't, don't watch. watch. <sighs> maybe don't watch this movie. Maybe don't watch this movie. The fact that I was driven to drink halfway through the movie <laughs> is uh, a good indicator of how Andrew felt. How I felt, yeah. Yeah, I gravitate toward musicals more than you would, but this was not a it was, fun watch. No, it was not, and I don't dislike musicals i right vaguely remember liking chicago fine a cannibal the musical classic musical everybody's seen songs now. from cannibal the musical yeah so i'm not anti-musical necessarily but but it's not really your thing no it's not i'm certainly not into musicals by any stretch of the imagination but i've seen a few and been entertained to differing degrees but this was definitely on the Lower end of amusement for me. I will say I did really appreciate the costumes. There were some good good yeah. costumes yes. and sets, and yeah. so that made it a little bit more fun to watch, but... <sighs> yeah, that, that was one thing that I could appreciate, but not enough to counterbalance. It reminded me of Gravity Falls. In one of the episodes, uh, the, the crotchety uncle character, Grunkle Stan, is uh, trapped <laughs> watching a television show... You're watching the black and white period piece Old Lady Boring Movie Channel. Kids! I can't find the remote and I refuse to stand up! Stay tuned for the Friday Night Movie, The Duchess Approved, starring Sterling Stemple Burgess as The Duchess and Crafted St. Rumpterfrabble as the irascible Coxswain Sauterblug at Hamter Fumpenshire. Kids! No! I was worried that that's how I was going to feel going in, at least. And... Well, and he definitely screamed like that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to, like, have a stick with a rag wrapped around it in my mouth eventually just to bite down on to uh, help manage the pain. So, should we just get into the plot? Sure. Let's get into the plot. I, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward plot, I think. We can get through it really quickly. I believe that will be the case yeah so we will do our best so we meet young fanny brace who has recently been given a role as a chorus girl in a sort of like an off-broadway show and she's super excited but then she is fired pretty promptly when she's unable to keep up with the other dancers and like the moves and she's upset and then she ends up rushing back into the theater after getting her nerve up and sings a song and it's enough to get her job back or get a, a new or a new job rather yeah 
and it, it does the thing where it does this a couple of times i think where it's like do you know how to roller skate and then she's like do i know how to roller skate smash cut to her not roller skating very well at all yeah just like so so tired but, yeah uh, it definitely does that a lot but yeah. uh i mean it was probably pretty fresh at the time yeah I don't know. How I don't know. Fresh. I have no idea. Yeah. Comparatively. Yeah. It was a comparatively fresh joke. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so even though Fanny doesn't look like the traditional vaudeville type star, she is able to charm everybody and entertain them. And so first she catches the eye of this guy, this admirer, Nikki Arnstein, who she's immediately um, swept away by his handsomeness and his suaveness, but nothing really happens. So Florence Ziegfeld, the guy who ran Ziegfeld Follies, becomes aware of Fanny Bryce and decides to get her into his show. So it's her first night and she really objects to like this ending song that he wants her to do where it's like, oh, she's this beautiful bride, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, nobody in the audience will, will buy it. Look at me. Yeah, look at me. Look at me, this have... ugly, ugly person. <laughs> I have oh, a... Yeah. A slightly larger nose than uh, most of the other women in the show, so I'm, I'm... I'm so hideous. Hideous, yeah. Hide me away. She eventually decides, okay, fine, I'm gonna do it because it's either I do this song or I'm not in the show and I'm fired. So she goes along with it, but blah, 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 the show goes along. It's the last song, and she shows up in her bridal gown uh, stuffed with a pillow. Ha ha ha, she's a pregnant bride. And just this song about how beautiful she is. She's like singing kind of uh, sarcastically or at least self-deprecatingly. Yeah. Uh, and Sleekfield is not happy with this. So the audience loves it. But yeah, the audience ate it up. Yeah, but uh, he is not happy with this new interpretation or change that she's made. And then he kind of sees the reaction is amazing from the, the audience and he's like well i was yeah. gonna fire you but it's kind of hard to argue with these kinds of results so you can do the show tomorrow also and she's like oh, okay i'll do the show just like you told me to and he's like no 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 you do the show exactly like you did it tonight and a star is born basically it's a, yeah essentially then it's sort of the story is following fanny's rising career so fanny and nikki they're kind of running into each other. After that first show, he goes back with her to the party that her family has arranged. And then when Fanny and the rest of the girls are on the road in Baltimore, she runs into Nikki again and agrees to have dinner with him in his room. And it's just like... I've got lyrics up to the song that they sing, oh so okay. I, can, I can start reading those off when we get there. Yeah, so he's so. definitely trying to seduce her. Like, he kind of corners her up against the, the wall and there's this song that he's singing to her and then she's kind of singing internally you you've got some of the lyrics pulled up there yeah so um you know i, I we mentioned it when we read the write-up of the movie so it's called you are woman i am man already we're off the bat not a great start <laughs> sitting off our <laughs> sexism radar pretty uh... So the the first lyrics of the song, you are woman, I am man, you are smaller, so I can be taller than. Cool. It's... Cool. Isn't this the height of nonchalance furnishing a bed in restaurants? Like, hmm. No. I'm going to say no, that's not it. But nonchalant means it all. Yeah. Okay, so uh, now we start getting into uh, more of Fanny's internal singing. 
Should I do the things he'll tell me to? In this pickle, what would Sadie do? In my soul, I feel an inner lack. Just suppose he wants his dinner back. <laughs> How many girls become a sinner while waiting on a roast beef dinner? <laughs> if I stop him now, will he sue me? Yeah, so there you go. That there you go. You know of... what? We are women are obligated to go along with whatever the man wants, and if we don't, it's your fault for it's what our happens. Fault. It's our you. fault. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. 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 And that's kind of the tone <laughs> for like the underlying tone for the rest of the movie. Yep. So he seduces her. They do it presumably and and she's just uh head over heels in love with him now like his creepy behavior before is all all but forgotten and then fanny finds out that nikki is about to embark on a six-week boat trip to europe so he can play poker because that's what he does he gambles and she's like oh no don't go He's like, well, I got to. I gotta go play poker. You gotta. You gotta, gotta play poker. You gotta poker. Yeah. So Fanny's pretty sad, and, and she's like, well, should I come see you off? And he says, no, because I might cry. And he's like, you know, I love you. She's like, do you really? And then he kisses her, and she's like, oh, you do? So she's on tour with the Ziegfeld Follies, and, and they're about to head off to a different city for their next show. And she's just like super down and she's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go hop on that boat to Europe. And then there's this montage where she's like singing and traveling like on a train and whatever on a boat to catch up with them. And that really, I think that is the one big problem that you have with musicals is the requirement for you to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Like, it's earlier in the movie too when she's like singing by herself out on the street, singing people who need people. Yeah, They're just yeah, like, yeah. If I heard that in the middle of the night, some lady just singing loudly and dramatically, I'd be like, lady, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like, I have to go get murdered in a meatpacking plant tomorrow. So, uh, right? <laughs> um, so I don't have time to be kept awake listening to this nonsense. I want to be freshly rested when I'm murdered. Yeah. So it just, like, it just requires this disbelief on your part that uh, everybody is kind of just minding their own business as somebody is loudly singing... And it's not like they're in a vacuum doing that either because they're usually engaging with other people and yeah, it just irritates the shit out of me, I guess. So. Well, and, and the whole time while she's doing this, she's singing Don't Rain on My Parade. So now I know the context for that song. And uh, not cool. It's like <laughs> a, a woman giving up her career to run after a guy who's Again, decided, what... you know what? You know, I love you, but you know what? I want to go gamble. Yeah. So I'm going to go take a six-week boat trip to gamble nonstop. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. Good good decision. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, don't rain on her parade, please. <laughs> Nobody rain on that parade. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. She's yeah. making good decisions. Yeah. So she runs after him, uh, shows up on the, on the boat, and he's just, like, so happy to see her. And they're like, yay. From that point, she's just staying with him in his room on the boat. So one night on this trip, they're having dinner, and she brings up the topic of marriage. So Nikki's like, well, I need to have my own money, and you know what? I can probably win enough at poker for me to feel comfortable marrying you. She's like, well, what are you doing still talking to me? Go play that game. 
So he plays and he does indeed win a whole shitload of money and like the next few things just happen so quickly. Super like, quickly. They they get married and then she's pregnant all of a sudden and they're in this huge mansion. And then it just becomes apparent pretty quickly that gambling is really not a sustainable or at least consistently sustainable way to make an income because uh, Nikki's just like having a really bad streak with his his poker playing well then on top of it he has like those failed businesses that he was trying to do like he right, was trying to get yes. into this like oil market and uh where he was digging he did not strike oil so don't want 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 and so we see them getting married on the boat or not getting married on the boat but we see him you know that beginning on the boat like their relationship becoming real and are like okay well how far along are we in this movie because that seems like that's kind of like uh beginning to conclude the movie point and then i pulled up the time left on the movie and there was like we were halfway through maybe maybe halfway okay now i need to go get a drink because i don't know that it already feels like we've been watching this movie for two hours and yep there was more to come but i just feel like the back half of it is boring as shit yeah and it's a lot of stuff with their like they have the baby and then he's busy all the time with his failing business ventures and gambling and she's getting resentful because he's not coming to her opening nights which is fully justified like right. not, i'm not saying that in a disparaging no, 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 way. No, no not at all um, but just like the growing issues yeah and it just for as long as this all takes like there just is remarkably little that seems to happen in right it. and it's also weird because we we see her plays or whatever her shows that she's involved with yep and it's one of them is like swan lake but it's her just like goofing around like being a kind of a Ooh, I don't, i'm not pretty i can't do pretty people things in the play oh, guess what i I'm can't just, dance I have too to, good yeah i have to goof it up and it's just like what the rest of this play is being played like really straight and you're being a, a goof i mean this is biographical maybe that's actually what she did do right right but it didn't seem like this was a comedic interpretation of swan lake it seemed like it was a regular version of swan lake that she was just uh being she was just goofy like in comedying up all over the place yeah um so maybe that's why he didn't go to her opening nights he's like i've seen enough enough of this shit but um eventually we find out that nikki isn't bringing any money in he's in he's like basically yeah owes everybody yeah like lone sharks it looks like shady characters and he's getting resentful because fanny is the breadwinner for the family so I feel like this movie gets a lot of credit for showing women like as not being dependent on men, but it also treats this as though it's emasculating for him to not be right? not be the breadwinner. Yeah, cool. And it's like, uh, you guys are so close. I mean, for 1968, I guess that's the Broadway show had been going on for much longer before then. Right. For, so, like, we'll say the early 60s. Like, that's pretty good i guess but i don't know that it necessarily can be held in as high esteem these days so you know things are not going so good for nikki and then he and fanny are having issues and so fanny's trying to get him out of the situation by setting up this business opportunity for him by putting up money 
but secret behind his back so he doesn't know so it's not emasculating uh, but he realizes like there's no way i'd be offered this opportunity without putting up money that i don't have and he figures out that it was her and so he's pissed and doesn't accept this opportunity to have like a legitimate business endeavor or whatever Fanny is like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I was tr- I was just trying to do it to help you because I love you and blah, blah, blah. So she's off doing one of her shows. And yet again, Nikki's not there. And so during the intermission, someone comes to her dressing room and is like, hey, just so you know, Nikki uh, turned himself in a couple hours ago. And she's like, wait, what? And essentially he um, had been in- involved in this like embezzlement thing. And turned himself into the police. So he's in jail. And she's like, well, we need to get a good lawyer. And she shows up to the uh, trial. And Nikki's just immediately, you know what? I'm guilty. Sentence me. I did it. (laughs) Like, without anything. So he's like, you know what? I did it. Put me in prison. So he was sentenced to two years for being a first-time offender with the potential to get out after a year and a half for good behavior so they get uh fanny and nikki get a couple minutes together before he's sent away to prison just to have like their goodbyes and so nikki says you know what fanny i'm no good for you maybe we should not be together and fanny's like you know i I love you let's just wait until you get out and we'll see how we feel at that point so off he goes to prison And Fanny continues on with her career. Pretty much nothing happens. And then, hooray, a year and a half has passed and Nikki's been released. And he just suddenly shows up to one of Fanny's shows. And they're like, you know what? We should not be together. You're right. So she goes on stage and tearfully sings a song. Uh, I think, what was it called? Something, My Man or something. It's kind of like her pledging her Her love. love and support to him. Yeah. So she's out there singing this tearfully and basically it's her singing about her undying love for Nikki. Oh, isn't that bittersweet? The end. The end. Uh, <laughs> Finally, the, that movie could have been so much shorter. It could have been much, much shorter. So, okay. Well, we, we start the movie up. We see that it's two hours and like 35 minutes long. And we're both like, oh, no. And then the first five minutes of the yeah. movie are just, like, a black screen and music playing. And we're like, dude, what's going on here? <laughs> like, I mean, is this is fine. But, uh, so it just seemed like right from the get-go, they were taking the scenic route with the movie. Like, yeah. they just as a very kind of... They were, they were lollygagging with the uh, way that they were progressing the plot. We didn't go into the movie thinking it was going to be, like the prequel to the crank franchise or anything <laughs> but i mean it would still would just like well you didn't okay wow <laughs> we tried to have this conversation before we watched it but you just weren't having any part of it so you know, yeah um yeah everything just was like drawn out especially like we were saying and that the back half of it just scenic route taking the scenic route for oh sure. yeah um so yeah uh, maybe don't watch Maybe don't watch this. I, you know what? Maybe it's your thing. Fine. Yeah, I mean, if you like musicals, if you like musicals of that era, it, it's well done. Like there yeah. is nothing technically wrong with it. No, Barbara Streisand does a good job. She, she does know, a very good like, job. 
She does a really good, like, especially considering it was her very first time in a movie. She'd been on Broadway for years up until this point. But it was her very first time in a movie, and you wouldn't know. Yeah, and, I mean, there's good reason for why I think it seems so seamless. She ran a tight ship, despite really only being an actor in the movie. Yeah. Like, she had a reputation that she basically was controlling things pretty closely. Like, a total perfectionist. Yeah, like, requiring reshoots of things that they'd already shot days before, and just doing take after take, and things like that, and getting really involved in the, the directing and editing process, too, I think she was involved in, even. And the, the crew, especially, were yeah. not too happy with this. But to be fair, like, she had played that role on Broadway, like, a thousand times. And so right. the movie is about Fanny, and she is better equipped, really, than pretty much anybody to have, like, a vision for the movie. So I think... She got some shit for it, but she, it, it was a role that was like really critical for her. And yeah, so I totally. Think I, I totally understand her wanting to be that particular with how things were done. And I read she yeah. was anxious about it being the first time that she was going to be in a movie. So yeah, not just surprised. Add, add that on top of her attachment to the, the role. I think it's totally justified that she did what she did. Agreed. So one of the other things about the movie that it had going for it is there was definitely... A good chemistry between Barbara Streisand and Omar Sharif, who played Nikki Arnstein. And it turns out uh, a good part of that is because they did have this like intense attraction to each other that developed while they were making the movie and ended up having an affair that lasted the entire shoot. And the the director did channeled his, it. Yeah, did his best to kind of work that into the movie as, as best he could. Yeah, it, there was this uh, quote I came across from Omar Sharif where he said like, the first time we saw her, he wasn't attracted to her, but um, he became overwhelmed by her appeal. So about a week from the moment I met her, I was madly in love with her. I thought she was the most gorgeous girl I'd ever seen in my life. I found her physically beautiful, and I started lusting after this woman. So there was proper chemistry between them. Yep. I think that came across. Yeah, I, I agree. One of the things that didn't necessarily have going for it uh, in retrospect is that it wasn't totally truthful yeah uh they did a lot of whitewashing yeah let's talk about uh nikki arnstein shall we let's uh he's kind of a dirtbag long story short he was somebody who had been like arrested in three different countries in europe prior to even meeting up with fanny for just being a real swindler type type dude just real swindling all the time and so he was not a great guy and then he met up with fanny and he kind of started taking advantage of her immediately like he moved in with her and started using her money for whatever he wanted to do like his his gambling and etc yeah yeah so he was just like trying to take her for everything she had and uh totally different from how he's portrayed in the movie is like not wanting to allow fanny to provide for him and it turns out he was part of a gang that stole five million dollars worth of wall street securities and this is the early 1900s that's a shitload of money yeah um so instead of turning himself in he actually went to hiding and one of the things he also did was he um was selling phony bonds 
So he was like in all kinds of rackets and he fought the charges and he made Fanny pay for his legal support and it took a huge toll on her finances. And it, it sounded like it just it drug on for four years. I yeah, think. long ass time. Yeah, and he, like eventually he did go to prison and Fanny was taking really good care of me even then, like working, you know, using her, her charm to get it to the point I read that the warden's wife was cooking Nikki meals. That's like how hard she was lobbying for him. Yeah. And then eventually she found out that like he he was having an affair with some older woman. It's like, well, okay, well, fuck, fuck you then. Yeah. God, it's so shitty. Yeah. And in the, the movie, they make a big deal about how attractive he is. Just like her mother and like her mother's friends are all immediately impressed by how handsome he is as well the first time they meet nikki the real nikki not so attractive not not, so, not that hot look you know I, I can't you know glass houses and whatever but yeah he's not a great looking dude i would say you can find out for yourself you just do a, a google and you'll you'll see yeah just do a google just do a google just bing it yeah just ask jeeves about nikki <laughs> but you know, the the movie and the, the Broadway show, the reason why they were so... Kind? So kind to him is because, <laughs> like, uh, Fanny's son-in-law was basically the person that kind of put it all together, at least the, the Broadway show, and he was rightfully worried that Nikki was going to start suing him if he actually adhered to the truth. So, yeah. Uh, rotten hell, Nikki Arnstein. <laughs> rotten hell. There you go. Real creep. Yep. One other thing I came across, which I wasn't aware of, um, was that this movie caused a huge stir back in Egypt, which is where Omar Sharif grew up. It was his home country. And so being in a movie with a Jewish star caused like a huge uproar. Uh, apparently there were people trying to get his Egyptian citizenship revoked because of it. And also there was a brief war between Israel and Egypt that went on around this time. So that kind of further complicated things. But in any case, Omar Sharif did not get his citizenship revoked. He did eventually move back to Egypt. I think once the movie came out, a lot of that was forgotten because it was really pretty well received critically. Yeah. Um, although, but but it was banned for in a lot of different Middle Eastern countries. Yeah. But one uh, one review of note that I wanted to reference was uh, from <laughs> R- Roger Ebert. <laughs> so, uh, so Roger Ebert he gave it four out of four stars or whatever. Before we started watching the movie, I, I pulled it up just to get a brief idea of what the consensus generally was about the movie because. I was uncertain. I, I had uh, fears. Yep. And, and then I saw, like, one of the things that they mentioned was that Roger Ebert had given it four out of four. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, he's trustworthy. If he gives something four out of four, then... There, it's probably it's, not a pile of garbage. It's probably, yeah, it's it, it's got to be all right. And then uh, after we watched the movie and we're kind of, at least I was uh, not, not too happy with it, I went and actually read the review. And let me just, um, <laughs> let me just read this uh, real quickly here. <laughs> Uh, The film itself is perhaps the ultimate example of the roadshow musical gone overboard. It is overproduced, overphotographed, and overlong. The second half drags badly. The supporting characters are generally wooden, and in this movie, believe me, everyone who ain't Barbra Streisand is a supporting character. 
That makes the movie itself kind of schizo. It's impossible to praise Miss Streisand too highly. Hard to find much to praise about the rest of the film. Four out of four stars. Ebert. Roger Ebert. What are you doing? That's not <laughs> That's not how movie rating systems work. Like, that's we've a... been doing this for about a year now, so. That, for the most part, is a pretty scathing review. Yeah. Like, I mean, Barbara Streisand. I mean, not scathing, but it's, a, it's not, a, a harsh... not a glowing review. It's pretty yeah. harsh. The harshness isn't uncalled for. No, it's... We agree with, we, but... Like, weirdly enough, we didn't give it a four out of four. You're right. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but this was early on in his movie reviewing career, so I guess we'll cut him a little bit of slack. <laughs> 20 years from now, people are going to say, they gave Joe Dirt a three out of five on their scale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Roger Ebert. So, the good news for all of us is that they made a sequel to Funny Girl in the mid-70s, and it's called Funny Lady. Um, So, Barbara Streisand reprised her role as Fanny Bryce, and then it starred James Caan. But one interesting note is that that role was almost played by Robert Blake, which Andrew said was a narrow miss for Streisand (laughs) with regards to having to potentially kiss a murderer. Yeah. And then the funny thing was I found a quote from Streisand particularly about this, and she said, it comes down to whom the audience wants me to kiss. Robert Blake, no. James Caan, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, uh, like, later on, James Caan was talking about, and he he wasn't, like, overly thrilled with the movie in general. He felt, I guess, that there were too many cooks. Um, It did (laughs) did make a note to say that he liked his own performance, so... You know what? This movie was a pile of shit. But I was great. But I did great. I I was excellent in it. So, I mean, (laughs) aside... Aside from me, though, movie just bent. You know, James Caan is a man known for his humility. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And, and this is definitely uh, notwithstanding. Don't check it out. So let's uh, do a... Seamless transition. Into something that we do think you should check out, which is Joe Para Talks With You. Yeah, so we recently got turned on to this um well andrew really was listening to a recent episode of the was it on the best show yeah tom sharpling on the best show was saying how much he loved it so i'm like all right if tom vouches for it, it's got to be good yes so we put it on last night and promptly watched every single episode yeah it's like most of the episodes are 10, 10 minutes 11 long. minutes yeah, yeah i think a couple of them are like 22 minutes but it is like amazing I don't, it is so good it's you know, on paper, it sounds like, how is that a comedy? Right. It's about this guy who is a choir teacher at a school in the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. It's kind of awkward. He's into rocks. <laughs> um, he's... Very kind of mild-mannered. Super mild-mannered, and things are all pretty understated, but the, it's just, it it's, is so funny. It's so... Unlike anything, any other comedy that I think either of us have seen, it's like very nice and very soothing and also like super funny at the same time. He's a funny character, but the show isn't making fun of him. Right. Not at all. It's not making fun of anybody, even though there's like quite a few awkward things in it or people who who are somewhat awkward in different ways, but it's not mean spirited humor at all. Yeah, and, like, we, you know, we're cynical. We like cynicism and sarcasm in our humor, but just, like, this, I think, that's probably why it seemed like such a breath of fresh air. Right. Is because it is so unlike that. Yeah. 
the season is like maybe $20 on Amazon, but it is definitely worth it. And one of the episodes, uh, <laughs> Joe Parra reads the church announcements is available for free. So we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. And that's, it's a pretty good episode. Like every episode is, is good, but that's one of the, the better ones. So you should watch that if you have about 12 minutes to, to spare. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's, it's great. So I think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. So if you want to keep tabs on what we're doing with the show, um, check out our website, terraandandreverses.com. You can also feel free to shoot us an email if you have any feedback or you want to let us know about any cool movies or shows or comedians that you think we'd be interested in. That's terraandandreverses at gmail.com. You can also find us on all the different social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Check us out. We, of course, would like to extend our thanks to the great Seattle band Boat for allowing us to use their song Lately off of the album Setting the Paces. Thank you, Boat. Thank you, Boat. And we would also like to encourage you to support your local independent video stores. Seattle is very lucky to have Scarecrow Video, um, but those of you who are in different areas, different parts of the world, probably have something else cool nearby that you can support. Uh, So we encourage you to do that. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves the accessibility of, like, streaming video and stuff, but these independent video stores have things that you can't find find anywhere else. Stuff that's, like, on VHS that has not and may not ever be released on DVD or any other format, so they're treasure troves, and it's not, uh, not something that there's a lot of these days, and they deserve and would appreciate your patronage. Yeah. So on that note, until next time, catch catch you later, later, potato potato heads. heads.